nightmare that I was 32. And then I woke up and I was 23, so relieved. And then I woke up for real, and I was 32. Done, kids. <laughs> Welcome to episode 81 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other star-crossed lovers as masterpieces. Um, <laughs> well, there's going to be some reason we keep doing this. Um, I am Nick. I am the horny young American of this podcast, <laughs> and I am joined, as ever, by Roger, the uh, beautiful, uh, thoughtful, introversal <laughs> um, French person of this podcast. Um, we uh, uh, are we are we 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 are discussing. Richard Linklater's, and I suppose we should include um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy uh, as creators of the Before Trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that this was not planned as a trilogy. I mean, Before Sunrise, we'll talk about first, was made on its own. Yes. And then they thought it would be nice to do a sequel, and... We'll, we'll we'll come to that, but I, I we'll think it, it's just important to bear in mind that this works both as a trilogy and as individual films. I have quite different feelings about the two ways of watching it. So, yeah. I, the, I suppose the only thing I say that certainly before uh, sunset very much feels like a middle film. I suppose it, it could have ended there, but it anyway. We'll talk about how they work as a whole. Let's talk about them sort of individually. So these are very. Uh, well, well, this is the story of the relationship between um, two uh, two characters. Um, Ethan Hawke uh, as oh, what's his name? Jesse. <laughs> already forgot Jesse and Julie Delpy as I've forgotten Celine. her name too. Celine, Je- <laughs> there we go. Jesse and Celine, um, <clears throat> who after a chance encounter on a train in before uh, sunrise, decide to explore, get off the train to avoid some um, loud train patrons and explore the city of Vienna um, well he, before... he's getting off in Vienna anyway because that's where he's he going. has a plane to catch back to America but he persuades her to join him and you know see, see the city and then carry on with her journey back to Paris plan, yeah. that's the plan um, and sort of on an impulse um, he asks her she agrees with it and we see the story of their night together exploring the city not really not planning to go to sleep and just uh, spend the night looking through Vienna. Yeah. And I, I must admit, the first thing that struck me here was, in almost any other film, this would be a five-minute montage. <laughs> Five minutes might be pushing it, but yes, I agree. There would be them seeing the sights and them laughing and chatting, uh, and then we would cut to the you know the, the dramatic bit at the end. Um but I mean, here we it's, just... it's not happening in real time, but it feels as though it is. These are very long takes. Oh, did we just have another film where there were very long takes? I, can't, but I think we were discussing Hitchcock's Rope. Um, hmm. And this isn't quite that, but it certainly feels like it. I mean, the takes are sort of six or seven minutes long for the most part. Yeah, I, I, um, I think the second one gets up to 15 or so for the first scene. Goodness me. You don't... I mean, again, like most... It's not really a gimmick, but like most things, you very quickly get used to it and just sort of settle into it. It doesn't feel odd, particularly once you're once you've got the idea that's how it's going to go. That we're just going to see a combination of banal and uh, profound, semi-profound 
conversation. I think where where it works is pretty much anybody who sees films has probably either had conversations like that or wished they had conversations like that. Yes, it, it, it's a it's a very common experience. I, I remember being in a um, cafe in southern Sweden. Uh, it, it was something of a student hangout, and yeah. we could hear the people on the next table over putting the world to rights in a combination of English and Swedish. <laughs> yes, it was great. Yeah, there's um, there is a joy in getting to know someone for the first time and finding where you connect and where you don't. That this film captures really well hmm. i think that um just uh, i mean it helps both the leads uh well we'll talk about the leads then because so, really throughout i i did feel a slight vertiginous dread about 10 or 15 minutes into this film knowing we were watching all three and i felt it all stretching out before me with a slight oh my god is this what we're doing for six hours <laughs> um and you know spoilers it is what we're doing for six hours but it is uh, it, it didn't feel like a chore. Um, it didn't feel uh, terribly long. Um, and I found both the leads more so, uh, I don't know how you feel, but more so Julie Delpy. It took a while for me to warm a bit to Jesse. I, um, I think we'll, we'll come back to him because I think that's really for me in the context of all three films. But yeah. Yes. Um, this is possibly simply because I'm a heterosexual man, but I certainly found uh, Celine more immediately sympathetic. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, and and uh, the, the thing, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to jump in a bit here. The um, thing that the 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 undertext I got was, yes, she's she is interested, um, but is this guy just after a quick lay? And I mean, he you, never you, quite seems to realise that that is the way he could be looked at. I think you're right because I, I mean, you mentioned this to me uh, off air or in the green room or whatever we want to say. <laughs> and I have to admit, um, there is a, certainly a potential to look at Jesse entirely from that perspective that, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to go, <laughs> I want to sleep with this girl. Um, and I will just go along the line of least resistance to do that. And if you do, if you try and look at him that way, he it doesn't works. do a lot that doesn't conform with that. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree, and and you could almost follow that line. Anyway, you could certainly follow it through before uh, sunrise. Except uh, he does agree, you know, he does agree not to sleep, you know, and he does it. But I, you could still imagine him thinking, yeah, but we'll probably end up <laughs> anyway. I'll still, I'll agree to it now because it means I get to spend more time. With it. Um, I, I, the I thing agree. to remember, of course, is this film was made in 1995, and. Yes, there were male feminists in 1995. But, 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 <laughs> but, but Jesse it, is not one of them. Well, I think it, it hadn't become part of the mainstream culture the way it has now, except among people who are actively trying to prevent it. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, w without getting into any particular activism, we've all heard about Me Too. We all know that there is this whole predatory thing going on a lot of the time mm. in a lot of industries. And for me, at least, that that is something that I'm now aware of when I'm evaluating a portrayed relationship. So yes, yeah, and I don't think that's uh, anybody's intention here, but it, it's just a slightly awkward thing. Well, I suppose it, it's hard not to say it's it's been a long cultural shift 
in a lot of ways between 1995 and where we are now. Mm. And it's hard not to see it perhaps more so than like between 1990 and 1950. That's probably, I don't know, perhaps a bit dramatic. Um, but uh, it's hard not to see exposed. it. <laughs> yeah, OK. Uh, but it's hard not to see it slightly in that context. That said, I mean, I do. Jesse did win me over because he uh, he is interesting and thoughtful, uh, you know, hmm. uh, aside from, yes, he might still be having this. Um, I desperately want to lay this guy. And to be honest, he's a young 20 something uh, guy and, with and a she very looks attractive. Like Julie Dolby. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I'm not saying I entirely judge him for that. And she's, you know, she's clearly interested yeah. in him. Yeah. Um, so it's there's nothing kind of icky about it, I feel mm. like. Yeah, uh, right. I, I, I just feel like he, he, you could argue he's following his biological impulses in a lot of ways. But he does show himself to be uh, relatively thoughtful. Uh, and profound. I, I think that there's a scene where he's talking, which resonated with me, where he's talking about, um, I've never been anywhere that I haven't been. I've never, you know, I've never uh, been bowling where I wasn't there making some stupid joke. And I do feel, I felt that was quite a profound truth about humanity, that it's hard to get away from yourself and wherever you go, you're there. And I, 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 that resonated with me. So I, I found some of the mm. dialogue interesting and, and profound the, the thing that goes beyond, beyond that of course is here i am in a city though and nobody knows me yeah this person is the person who knows me best here and she's only known me a few hours it's it, you one can at that point reinvent oneself yes so. and there is i i think it does capture the the kind of feeling of excitement and uh I guess, yeah, as you say, re-aband- uh, uh, reinvention and, you know, abandonment of any problems in your past and you can just forget about. And they acknowledge through the night, this is a, this is a slightly weird and very special time and we'll probably never have another night like this. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, uh, how did you feel about the dark? You know, we've had a few films with naturalistic dialogue, um, and this is, it's not entirely naturalistic. It felt more stagey to me than naturalistic in some ways. Mm, yes and no. I mean, it's the the thing that would have irked me, I suspect, is your, your Whedon style. Everybody's got the perfect yeah. quip for the moment, and the, and that's not yes. here, and that's great because that really wouldn't yeah. have fit together. Um, yeah, perhaps it's not quite the things people would say, but it's. I suspect it's the things they would wish they had said five minutes later. Mm. And on I, that on that basis, it, it's it, it's the best possible Jesse and the best possible Celine. If if, that's if, really, if they yeah. really did have time to think about what they were going to say rather than leap in, so yes, I, I rather a, liked it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a there's a sort of fairy tale feel to it. I think you're very, it's realistic enough and feels very. Un Hollywood, mm. um, that it, it, it does feel like a sort of statement, but I, I absolutely agree. It's an idealized version of that. Um, I mean, these are both very talkative characters who are very good at expressing themselves emotionally, and that's unusual in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> and maybe that's why they found each other, but I, I suppose that's why, because they're set up like that, it feels naturalistic that basically we have 90 minutes of of them talking to each other. I mean, that's really the film against a variety of different backdrops. Yeah, um, it, that that's interesting in itself. I mean, I've seen several films which are set partly or completely in Vienna, and you know, everybody has to do the reason ride that big wheel. Yes. Everybody has to do the horse-drawn carriage, but at least they don't go for a horse-drawn carriage ride. No, they <laughs> yeah, don't. Which would have been no. even more cliché. 
Uh, true, true. And they're, they're nice. It's a nice scene on the uh, on the uh, on the wheel hmm. um, where they <laughs> they very quickly are very comfortable in each other's presence to the point where they're sort of criticizing each other as well. And there's there's a few moments of tension um, where hmm. he gets a bit kind of butt hurt uh, for, for for want of a better term, and then she's a bit disappointed that he's not quite the ideal person she was expecting, but it's, it's, it works very well. Um, mm. I mean, I'm, there's not really many individual plot points. And as I, you know, I've touched on the content of the dialogue for the most part, it's fairly bland banter and, and pretty, uh, low level philosophy and, you know, very much, uh, without sounding like an old fart, very much the sort of thing 20 year olds do talk about and feel like they're the first people well, who yeah, have that, ever said the these thing. things. Th- th- this feels like the conversation that I might have had when I was like that, only better. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's written exactly. by a professional scriptwriter. Uh, and we we didn't look like Julie Delphi or Ethan Hawke. And not in real time. Well, I... <laughs> Modesty um, forbids. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I I do want to be that guy with the great big beard and the red ribbon in his hair when I grow up. So, you know, <laughs> um, I, they did win. I, yes, uh, so I, I think the acting form's very good. I I think this one was written by Richard Linklater, mm. pretty much. I, yeah. But I'm sure it has the feel. I mean, it certainly becomes apparent in the later films, there were big contributions to the story by Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. I, I, I think in the latter two, they both actually get co-script writing credit. Yes. Um, and I suspect yeah. here, they probably injected their own something. It just has the feel of a, a generous director letting them do their thing a bit. From what I've heard of Linklater, he, he's not one of those must-control-everything directors. He's, he's quite happy with a bit of improvisation as long as people are getting into the character. So, yeah, that seems entirely reasonable. It might not be Mike Lee levels of improvisation, but it's uh, it, it does... You know, it feel, I suppose it, it does feel a bit similar to that, the conversations um, that we had with Vera Drake, except it's not depressing <laughs> well, um, the, the thing in, the thing for Vera Drake thinking about it in retrospect and I, I may completely contradicted myself from, from well relative to what I said at the time that's quite right. we didn't record um, it so nobody will go back and listen to that uh, is that there, there is a conversation and they may, may be improvising to some extent but that they have been told here is the point of this conversation you know, you've got to convey that bit of information Yes, Whereas they've got a, a plot of... point that they have to dance around in Vera Drake, haven't they? And and this feels a lot more um directionless. Yes. Which yeah, you know, if if I'd gone in expecting a film with a plot and action and stuff, I'd have yeah. been very disappointed. And one of the reasons I'm glad we're doing this is is that I can now appreciate this much more than I would have when we started. Uh, yeah, this is exactly the sort of film I, you know, I'd heard about the Before Trilogy. This is the sort of film I wanted to watch because I knew this sort of thing would make me watch it in a way that I, I probably wouldn't, despite my best intentions, sit down and watch this film otherwise. Um, uh, I, so it's interesting. I mean, I, it's it, it's uh, a conversation, a realistic conversation between two kids from my perspective and it has a magical fairy tale quality hmm. i can see why it is a dearly beloved film um uh, and i can see why you know people idolize it and wanted another one to see what happened next if it ended so 
I mean, there's not much more to say about the plot, and I, don't, I, uh, I mean, that's it. But they're just thoughtful, interesting characters. Um, we well, get that, the that's inf- the thing. We do get character, and, and remember, yeah. remembering some some films we've seen, which are you know, very, very much out along the arty sort of axis. Yes. Some sometimes they don't bother to generate character. Here is this relatively simple guy, and he's got problems. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, um, but and not. Uh, here we yeah. do get these characters. We we you know they, we you get the feeling there is more to them than we, than we're seeing and hearing. I feel like we've said a few times on Ribbon and Memes that um, films really don't do deep characters very well, and some of our favourite characters are just like two dimensional, basically archetypes, but done very well. I feel like if you're going to do character in a film, you like a real human character you probably have to concentrate on them to the degree that we do here and i think Hmm. that's why it works maybe because there isn't anything else to get in the way we're just exploring these characters and how they get and and, uh you can't help but you know draw comparisons to your own experiences your own life and as you say the the reason we liked it and i think we both did Hmm. is because it reminds us of of times that we've had like that and it feels real but as you say, only better <laughs> and more <laughs> idealised. Um, and and you can't help but think, I wish I'd had a night like that. And I think that's why this is a a very benign and beloved film. So would... Yeah, I, I, if... I have had nights st- staying up and talking with an attractive member of the opposite sex, um, one of whom I'm now married to. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, it captures that feeling of... Uh, well, this is a person where we have a connection, and let's explore it. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we've all had nights like that, and, and sometimes it's worked into something more, and sometimes it hasn't. But it's it's a very good at capturing that feeling. If it had finished here, what would be your opinion overall? Then I think hmm, I think it would it would definitely be an arty film. Yes, I mean, it, it is somewhat anyway, but you know, there is nothing happening. There is no big dramatic incident. Though they, they they meet, they go around a bit. They may or may not have sex. Um, they, this becomes a plot point later on, I suppose. Uh, they they, they um, go their various ways with with a vague plan to meet again. But I, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that while they are planning to meet again, it might be it, it's a Their mindset through the whole thing has been that this is just the one night, we can do whatever we want because we're never going to see each other again. Yeah. And then right at the end they're realising, hang on, we actually could. Yeah. Maybe maybe we actually have something that is worth trying to. I agree. They're sort of excited about the idea of seeing each other again, but also aware that doing so does kind of betray the night they've just had. Mm. It's, It's a slightly... And it's good that it gets across that complex feeling. I, I think on its own, and uh, I would have really enjoyed it and would have absolutely understood why some people would find that their favourite ever film and want to watch Probably wouldn't have been mine, but I could see why people would get so into it and watch it again mm. and again and think of it as a masterpiece. For me, I if it had ended there, I would have been very glad it existed and very glad I watched it. Mm. I think it would have fallen short of a masterpiece at that point. Whether it becomes that later on, we'll find out in our discussion but that I think that's how I would feel about it on its own so link later in 1995 he's made three previous films uh, one of which is one of those um, directed by link later screenplay by link later produced by link later cinematography by link later <laughs> starring link later uh, oh, he, yeah. he, he did a thing on super eight basically um, it, it's impossible to learn to plow by reading books 
<laughs> which, as I understand, is also I haven't seen it, but I, I understand it. It's quite observational in in the same sort of way, you know. It's never going to be primer for me. See, for seeing them of... doing their various uh, mundane things. He's clearly interested in humans, um, which not all <laughs> directors are. Um, uh, so Slacker in 1990. Um, okay. He's he's still starring at this point, but it, 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 again, it's basically here are a bunch of people in Austin, Texas. Uh, and we'll follow them around for a few minutes and then wander off and follow somebody else. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dazed and Confused, which does actually have something of a plot. Blimey. <laughs> Steady on, Richard. Uh, but th- th- this is the uh, large ensemble cast of future stars, including Ben Affleck, Mila Jovovich, Cole Hauser, wow. and McConaughey. Oh, goodness. Um I, I again, I haven't seen. I, I get the feeling it's, it's a fairly similar thing, you know. Here, here are these yeah. people uh, going going around town for a night. This one's also set in Austin, so yeah, I, I don't think this is a, a break in um, style for Linklater. It, it, he's, he's pretty much doing the thing that people know him for at this but, point. Well, I think I, again, I haven't seen any of those. Um, I like the smaller. My first reaction is I prefer. My gut reaction would be: I, I think I prefer the smaller scale here, that we just get to focus on these two. Um, mm. But I might say something different if I actually watched any of those films. But but there we are. So then, this was 1995, and then is it nine years later? Yeah, uh, before Sunset comes out in 2004. That wasn't particularly the plan. Um, now, did they always plan to do a sequel, or did this take a while to? It's hard to tell. Um... <sighs> It was, I think certainly once it was made, yeah. everybody was saying, that was great, let's do it again, or let's, yes. let's do a sequel of some sort. Well, certainly Ethan Hawke has uh, said these are like his favourite experiences in life, let alone um, uh, in in his career, so I think um, he was clamoring to do it again. I, I Julie Delpy is, um, uh, given, I think she's just sick of the industry as a whole currently at the minute. So I don't know, but she's been less enthused in later years. But I, I think she was quite excited to do another one then. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, by this point, it's um, Luke Later and Kim Krizan who actually created the characters originally. Yes, um, okay. But Hawk and Delpy are getting, are getting co-screenwriter credit. So, so yes, we, we now have before um, Sunset, mm. which is, I mean, this is a very short kind of interlude film to me. I mean, it's like 70 minutes or something. Maybe one of the... And this is in something much more like real time. Yes, this one he's literally got a, a few hours. So we're not quite following for exactly 70 minutes, but he, it's the whole, pretty much for the whole film. So the, the plot with this one is that Jesse they had agreed to meet each other again six months later. Jesse went there um, six months later, was rather disappointed to find that um, Cecile wasn't um, now she wasn't there because her grandmother died, but uh, he then is basically hung up on this night for the next however many years and writes a book about it, which then propels him into the bestseller list. Mm-hmm. So he's um, uh, doing a, a book signing tour, and in Paris, Cecile goes to see him. Yeah. Uh, for the few hours that he has before he gets on a plane and jets off, he's at the end of his book signing tour. And he's jetting off back to America again. Um, the same 
plot, but different characters in different places. Um, and the whole time in this film, he's constantly reminded, no, you need to get to the airport now. No, you need to get to the airport. There's much more sort of time pressure. And it's this sort of afternoon doesn't have that quite magical, we can do anything we like feel. And mm, in, in terms of construction, uh, th- this was not the original plan for a sequel. Um, okay. It was originally going to be going to be a rather more substantial thing of you know, four different locations, four different cities, and you know, much, much larger budget. And basically, it, it just didn't get funding. Um, they they worked you know, the the team of four scriptwriters, in effect, yeah. uh, worked on quite a few different scripts, but they just kept running these things up and not getting them funded. Uh, in in the end, I, th- I think the one we see actually has some adapted material that would have been in the original, but there wasn't room for it. Okay, that's interesting, and it does. It certainly feels like a kind of a, uh, a almost a cut down version of the first one. Um, it's I mean it's a very similar plot in a lot of ways. It it's not a chance encounter. Cecile has deliberately gone to find Jesse in this one. What I like about it though, and what works well in this trilogy in general, is that we now see these characters and how they've changed in nine years, where they mm. are different in their lives, and where they are exactly the same. And it, it really does ring true to me how people change but there's a core that never really changes, and I think that works really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Linklater wouldn't do Boyhood until 2014, though I think he was working on it before that. Yes, uh, I'd but, like but, to see that. But this is definitely uh, the, the whole time-binding thing that he's got known for. You know, you, you set, set it, uh, film it a long time apart so that the actual people have changed. Yes. And, cause, again, that's, that's not a thing you normally see in a film. You know, you, you have... Ten years later, and it's the same actor. You have twenty years later, and then you get a different actor in old age makeup. That kind of thing. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Here, they I mean, they are. I, I hope it's okay. They, they are visibly aged. Um, hmm. In fact, it's it's with all these. It's actually a slight shot. They do it so well. Now, I don't know whether they play it up with makeup or more to the point, they don't play anything up with makeup. But it's it's a slight shot when you hit to the next film and see. Oh, that's what nine years does to a human, and it's hmm. um, it's it's. Um, slightly dizzying um, which I think again works very well but they are still the, the thing that we haven't done of course um, because we have a schedule to keep is watch these things nine years apart it might be interesting <laughs> to do that well so. then I would have forgotten the original one um, <laughs> I mean I, these are I must admit I rarely watch films uh, at faster than their normal speed I know you do quite often these I did because I felt I could follow them um, and I didn't feel like I was missing too much. I mean, yeah, I, I, I normally go about much. sort of thirty, forty percent faster. Yeah, uh, these particularly ones I because did. American speech tends to be slower than British anyway. So yes, yeah, um, I do it with subtitles on, and I did here. So uh, hand on heart, I did watch this film in about half an hour, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, but uh, it was—it's easy to follow, and it's—it it, it does I feel do... faster moving to me. Not not yes, that things are happening yeah. fast, but that the whole thing seems to be. I, I say it's, it's the real time thing or near real time. I'm sure we don't get the entire taxi ride equivalent, but it's not far, as you say. And and there is a sense of urgency. So in fact, the whole feel, although ostensibly it's the same sort of thing, it's the same characters meeting. The whole feel is different because it's not this magical one-off encounter. There's a there's a bitterness there now. You know, um, Jesse's very good about it, but it clearly was a major thing in his life when he went there and Cecile wasn't there. Hmm. Um and it's it we get the first 
um, real, uh, not quite argument, but real human moment with Cecile in the back of the taxi just kind of freaks out that this is too much for her, that, that there's been too much pressure put on her and... Well, she, you know, she, she's been made this character in this book with, without, without any consent on her part. Yes. And again, and, she's quite yeah, you good can about say that. it's fictionalised or whatever, but it's clearly based on her. So. Yes. To the point where in the third film, I don't want to add that, you know, she, she's asked to sign a book, um, because everyone knows she's the real, she is mm-hmm. that character. And that's, yeah, I can understand her for, you know, she's initially good about it and excited, but she, um, he never really explodes about the the six month thing. He does have a few crosswords, but she really does. I I think quite true and quite emotionally let him know the pressure he's put her under, hmm. and it's good to see those cracks. And instead of the magical kind of fairy tale relationship, and in in many ways you get the feeling that they're starting to experience some of the things they wanted to avoid by saying let's never see each other again. The other thing for me is that there's been yeah. We've got this nine-year gap. Stuff has happened. I mean, he's got married. He's had a kid. Yeah. Um, they're not happy, and it's it's a. I, I usually say this ironically, but I mean quite genuinely. It is a very brave decision not to show that, and I think it's the right decision. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. It, it, okay, it does make him look a bit self-centered, but you know, he he doesn't know what his wife back in the states is thinking, and that's part of the problem. It's so, a, so what we get like... is his his impression and and everything he's saying about her is is relayed through his own thoughts, and Celine knows that obviously. Yes, and it's it's all very one side. And um, having been through a divorce, you know, I'm well aware that when you're telling people, uh, it's you're you're aware and they're aware. This is all one sided. Um, I it felt to me it felt like you know we talked about Argo not so long ago, and this kind of. We had this tacked on thing where he's not getting on with his wife and he's away. It just mm. felt like a plot point and it was, it felt like there was no real human feeling involved in there whatsoever. And here it feels like this isn't a plot point. This is a messy complication in these people's lives. This is difficult and it's hard to work through. And what does that mean? And we had this moment and you never did. And then I, I'm, there's all sorts of emotions under the surface that you can easily imagine. He's hmm. kind of bitter that he's, he, you know, he like, feels slightly resentful that he almost feels like he's been manoeuvred into marriage because she didn't turn up. She's resentful that she's been turned into this, put up on this pedestal. And it almost feels like, um, be careful what you wish for this film because everyone wanted another film. And I think quite bravely, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't make it another magical fairy tale. They have to be like, all right, well, this is what, this is why they thought we'll never see each other again because we want to avoid all this mm. complex real life stuff. And this is where the trilogy really does start to get interesting to me because it starts moving away from the fairy tale first episode yeah. into more complicated, realistic. I, I'm being mean on the first one; it, it's very <laughs> realistic, but it was idealized, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and, and here, uh, this is starting to feel. Again, like conversations we've had, um, and, and, and situations yeah, these people are now in their thirties; they're not in their twenties anymore. They've got responsibility. They they can never have that kind of night again that they did. Um, and then it ends with Jesse staying with her. Somewhat surprisingly, he just he he never gets on the plane and hmm. he stays with her. So it still manages to have. Uh, I uh, I don't want to say a fairy tale ending, but it's kind of having known these characters, 
the film does a good job. You they they are now getting together the way they wanted to the first time. Yes, and, and you yes, yes. There's messages. I mean, she's going to have to get rid of her photographer boyfriend. There's going to be the yes. divorce, all the rest of it. But yeah, it's a, it's a sort of happy ending, but bittersweet in the sense you know it's not going to be that easy. But it still it ends on a really high note of well, here we are at the start of something wonderful. Hmm. Um, it's got. I mean, on its own. I'm not sure the film would work very well as a standalone film. I, d- I don't know why you would watch it, I guess, without uh, Before Sunrise. But Before Sunset, uh, I think you need to know what the characters were and where they were before to understand the connection they have now. I think so. I mean, you, on the one hand, you wouldn't... you wouldn't. It's the thing I often say about um, a long-running uh, book series. You, yeah. you won't be confused by what's going on if you start here. But yes. at the same time, you won't have the emotional weight built up from the previous narrative. So, I mean, you, you can you can say, okay, this guy cares about that, but you don't you you weren't there watching while the thing happened that caused him to care about it. Yes, you'd certainly be less sympathetic uh, to him talking about being married and her having a boyfriend and them still behaving like this without understanding what they lost nine years before. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 an evolution, it's an interesting development. If the series had finished here, um I'm not I think maybe I would have thought, Oh, that's interesting, but probably didn't need that sequel. But I do think it does what it can to develop it in interesting ways. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean it's it's not more of the same, and, and you know, all, all credit to them for for that. It's it's not just we're gonna rerun the same thing again and mm. it, it is taking advantage of the time, but Look, yeah, I, th- I think if trying to work it out, work out what my feelings would have been, it's because we don't actually get a resolution. In a way, it's yeah. more fairy tale than the first one. I, I, it sort of ends on this fairy tale high, which slightly belies the the kind of truth it's trying to show in the, re- which you're happy with, but it feels like a slightly. That's going to be oh, all this complication, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then. We find out about the complicators because nine years later again, we have the the final, probably part of the trilogy um, before midnight. Yeah, I, I certainly haven't heard anything about um, a fourth film. I, well, I, I, I get the impression they... it's pretty much this. This is meant to be it. Um, they, well, they... it's interesting because this year would be nine years. There, there has been talk of it, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, so, certainly they they um, sort of about twenty eleven when they were would have been. Thinking about gearing up for production on this, um, Hawk and Delpy and Linklater had been talking a lot and saying it would be really nice to do at the same yeah. span. Um, and the, and then they did. And again, this, this is a thing that happened after the second film. This was not designed to be a trilogy until yeah. that point. Uh, and this is, um, uh, to me, this is the more interesting. Of the three, possibly because it's closer to where my, uh, they're they're about well they're not about my age, <laughs> but they're getting towards my age, um, <laughs> and their lives are much more complicated and much more messy. So in this film, it starts with Jesse um, dropping off his uh, a, a tent, a, a young teenager. I think he's twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Or 
maybe 14, um, son at the airport. Um, they've just had six weeks in Greece, but it's clear that there has they have got divorced. There is huge bitterness. Um, uh, the, there's a lot of difficulty and bad feeling between um, Jesse and his ex-wife. Um, and he is torn apart dropping his son off knowing he's not going to see him again for months and months and months because they live in different continents now he's stayed behind in Paris never returned to America um, well presumably he did on and off well actually we find out he spent some time uh, yeah but but he is, he is uh, certainly by this point his his life is in Paris with Celine and their two daughters yeah. uh, are they twin daughters? they are twins aren't they they only so, get yeah. like that they're, pretty, they're removed from the film pretty quickly because we're not concentrating on the relationship. Well, I do like the fact that almost the temptation would be, well, I'll concentrate on the relationship with their daughters. Or the, but no, the film still is interested in Jesse and Celine. To uh, Seal, sorry. Um, Celine. Uh, it is Celine, dear me. Uh, it's, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's interested in their relationship more than anything else, more than. And that's not to say we don't get a lot of information about what it means to be a parent and how it changes your life. Hmm. Um, and but... I think that the thing that rang truest for me, because it's, it's a thing I've heard from a bunch of people I know who are parents, um, that, you know, everything in my life is now um, put on the skeleton of what the kid was doing that year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, you subsume your whole life. And it's partially because you get a lot of thick and fast memorable memorable events with kids um, mm-hmm. that it is easy but yeah you do uh, and again it does it uh, uh, Celine particularly does a great job of expressing how uh, she does it from the perspective of a mother but I don't think it's exclusive to mothers I but uh, I, I certainly more so how your own life is kind of subsumed mm. underneath your children and you become you become lesser um to an extent, or you've certainly seen that, that your own hopes and dreams. Um, which I, makes I, I know awful. a number of women who've actually gone from people who were quite interesting and had sensible conversation to people whose entire life is child focused. One of them, one of them, in fact, is now become a teacher to small children. <laughs> I mean, uh, she's happy. That's fine. I, I just kind of miss the person before then. <laughs> well, I we um, we had children relatively late, and I remember watching that transformation with a number of our friends as you know suddenly the conversation and then you know when it happens to you you uh, your conversation basically becomes for the most part about the kids the until fungus there gets comes into your point. head yeah yeah i know how it yeah, works. Exactly. <laughs> there comes a point well, well it's I, I, this isn't autobiographical but this film it, it really hit me in the fields having been through a divorce having uh, you know thankfully my children don't live on a different continent but i don't it's like when you have children, you don't expect not to see them every minute of their lives. Mm. Um, and I, I suppose part of having children is a slow process, very slow process of letting them go. Uh, but it's painful when it happens in such obvious circumstances, like dropping them off at an airport and knowing you're not going to see them. So it really hit me uh, in those sort of feels. So I found this the yeah. most interesting film. And particularly um, for me, the way Jesse is realising perhaps a bit late that, you know, having largely seen the kid during holidays and stuff, he's never been involved in his problems at school or whatever. Yes, exactly. He gets to do... So on the one hand, he gets to do the fun stuff, but on the other hand, he's just not part of his life in in a big part, in in Mm. a meaningful way. 
Um, yeah, it's good. And and um, so we have a number of kind of this is this I suppose more so than the other films, rather than sort of a meandering dialogue throughout different um, backdrops. Here it feels like we have a number of. I don't know if you felt this, a number of set pieces. We have the car discussion, we have the dinner table, we have hmm. the argument. Um, the, the, they're all kind of slightly distinct areas rather yeah, than I mean, a there, there is discussion. some meandering between them, but yeah. Yes. And, um, and so... A, a I, certain I, thematic, you know, the, this is the bit where we're talking about this particular part of everything. Yes. And it, it does seem, I mean, the, the car in particular, you know, all of a sudden they're constantly rubbing each other the wrong way. And it's, it, it seems kind of a pity. All right. We, we saw them being happy together before. Fair enough. But they were happy enough to get married. <laughs> uh, it it is that. a shame. I, uh, we do, um, well, you see, I, but I think again, it's a brave thing. This mm. isn't a fairy, despite their amazing beginning and their reconnection, they've ultimately, turned into what happens to a lot of couples you know that you get to know each other so well that if you're so minded you can really rub the other person up uh, quickly if you want to and and they know all the shortcuts in a good way or a bad way exactly (laughs) they know the shortcuts for little in jokes they also know the shortcuts to really piss someone off um and and it's uh, you know you can see the levers being pulled and it does it comes with a sadness that yeah we've lost this idyllic relationship and they're, mm. they're much like everyone else like they it's interesting the dinner table i found a um we talked about this a bit off air but you know apparently the the argument at the end is that is supposed to be the the amazing yes yeah, so, so, very... so, several critics have said you know this is the best scene in any film ever or at least any <laughs> film of this period or you know that sort of thing um the the dinner table the dinner party scene i really liked it a lot better i i agreed what i liked yeah because they they just rang true that they are I don't know. I suppose we've all been at dinner parties with partners that we've been together with for a while, and it's um, the way they kind of undercut each other a little bit and try and score points off each other, but still clearly have a lot of affection for each other. Um, also, I, I, th- I, I think I'm in lust with Athena Rachel Sangari, who plays uh, Ariadne here. But yeah, uh, yeah, she's. What um, can I say? I got a type. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's also it's interesting. It's the only other film really with. Uh, other characters in basically mm. i mean there are there's a the bookseller at the beginning and there's a few shop sellers uh there's a poet randomly in the i did find the poet a bit annoying i would have pushed him in this <laughs> <laughs> into the river myself but there we go um uh, but yeah there's, and i i think i i get the impression that yet yeah, yes they are separate people as well but they are also um Sideways, sideways versions of because you know they they are all couples and they're he well, ex couples as it were but they, that's the way they're presented yes. and so, you know this this is a way we could become or this is a way we could have been and it's interesting that you know the other couple there they're much more sort of openly affectionate and um, seem more in love in a way than we have um uh than we have Jesse and Celine. Yeah, because uh, they're having their before sunrise day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Um whereas they are they're offered another consequence free night. You know, you can have another magical night like you did in the first film. And they're not even that bothered about getting it. they're just tired. They just mm-hmm. want to go uh but when they do accept it and they do have the night then it starts well and then just descends into this really bitter argument. 
basically because of all the complications that the previous films have, have brought in. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a it's a really interesting and brave exploration of um it it's a sh- I agree it's a shame because we get this you know this fairy tale night that just kind of turns out kind of like everyone else. Now I I have to say I haven't really been in arguments not routinely quite as bitter as as they got that I usually I've either ended an argument by that point or finished I I well my I, my reflexive approach is Okay, this isn't working. We're getting angry. Can let let us stop. Step back. Maybe meta, meta argue about something. Yes, but you know, I, I, not not try not continue to go down the path we're taking. That that that's me. I'm very bad at arguing. No, well, I I feel the same way. I don't get a lot of pleasure in like just scoring points off something. If if I'm in an argument, not that not that I'm sure my way is pretty, pretty irritating too. If someone really wants to. Um, uh, blast at me and I just don't let them because I don't want it then um, that's probably pretty annoying as well mm. I, I feel there probably is something healthy about having it all out but there comes a point where it's just scoring points off each other and so the, the, uh, the thing for me is I, I don't do half measures uh, if, if, if I am provoked into actually attacking someone I will attack with every weapon I have to hand Okay, and right. that, that will end badly for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that feels like that's what happens here. And it's although I suppose it's not my way of arguing. That is no way. All the emotions expressed there felt very human and mm. real. A lot of them are unfair and petty and bitter on both sides. Yeah, um, but... but but that's part of it. And I, I think some of this may have been, you know, the, the keeping the facade up for the kids, which they've got into without even maybe necessarily realising at a conscious level that that's what they're doing. Yes, yeah. And, and now, finally, they they have they have a kid free night. Uh, now we can really have a proper argument, and, and, <laughs> Which... and, and that 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 suppression has has just gone. And, and I think they haven't really noticed until they get into the argument where they're going. Yeah, you know, it ends basically, and which is never quite resolved, but it ends with Celine saying, "I don't think I love you anymore," um, and that isn't kind of countermanded. The film doesn't end with this saying, "Oh, I do love you." There, there is what I also like is, you know, that Jesse then uh, tries to make amends and tries to bring them back to that magical night, and he does his um, time traveling shtick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, in a lot of films, she would she would have immediately, oh, there's Charmy's going, but she's not having it. She's not. She's still pissed off, and she just doesn't want to go. Play, there. Playing the clown is not going to answer my serious objections. Is is, is the way I'd summarize, summarize her at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and eventually he does win her over, and I think she does decide it's just not worth carrying on for that night. But it's it's by no means certain that they're going to have a wonderful. I mean, I think they probably will. They're lying it out. They're very good at talking with each other. I, the, that's the nice thing. You feel like you know them by this point, that, hmm. that they are uh, emotionally mature enough in this film. Well, in, in some ways, though, they're less mature in this film than they are <laughs> in, in the first two. That They really are just at a difficult part in their lives uh, and trying to decide how to navigate that. Also, um, that thing that, okay, I, I think pretty much everybody I've... I've um, mentioned this to or heard it from has felt more or less the same way that that feeling that holy crap we're adults did we miss the training course or something <laughs> yes yeah um and well that's the other thing i like consistently through this film they are jesse and Celine. they are mm. those characters they're just and it's not so much that they're different they've just 
accreted grown-up crap <laughs> that comes along and and, yeah. and they're trying to deal with that and tr- desperately trying not to accrete any more um and trying to deal with the stuff they already have and it feels very i i really appreciated it as a film well hmm. as a tr- for me this film caps off the other two perfectly i, I think you said it in the uh, off air that this film justifies the existence of the first two is that how you feel well yes um the, the thing i was particularly thinking there was you know we we have seen a lot of films with a couple that's at outs a couple that's arguing and so on yeah and it, it is very often a hollywood cliche and this time because we have met them before because we know these people we can yeah. see yes he's got a real point she's got a real point this this isn't just you know um, I, I I've got my Harrod and wife to motivate me to go and be a hero scene. <laughs> yes, it's, no, we we've got a real problem. How are we going to deal with this? And they're both right, and you can't see a clear way forward. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it, that. This is like the couple arguing in the background of someone else's romantic scene, except that we know they used to have their romantic scene, and we've followed them all the way through. Mm. And I think that was. Uh, so I, my ver- I mean, it, it could work in a book. Uh, I, I don't think it could work in a, in film at less than this sort of length. I feel, I, yeah, I stand by. You know, yeah, if you've got a season do of TV, maybe a, TV could do it absolutely. But, TV but again, yeah, no, that, that's the same sort of length again. Yeah, I think you need to spend enough time with people to appreciate their character, and any one like brief moment of see these could have been out of other films, but. I think as a whole, you know, I had this slight dread about 30 minutes in of thinking, oh my God, still another two and a bit <laughs> films to go. Um, and, and I didn't and feel Ethan that Hawk, at all. after all, from one of your very favourite films, Dead Poets Society. <laughs> I, I actually, as uh, I don't like Robert Williams, Robin Williams' shtick, but he does pretty much zero shtick in Dead Poets Society. So um, <laughs> I don't mind it too much. Um, uh, did... So over the trilogy, you, we had our misgivings about Jesse. I think by the end of the first film, he'd grown on me. But I do take your point. This the, could the, be explained There were these by... moments of, yeah, hang on a minute. <laughs> I, Whereas well, I, I, do... I, I think the intention is, is that we should be in sympathy with both of them. And to, to a large extent, I did manage to maintain that. Yes, I, I, I think I think so. that's, that's the intended um, emotional position to be watching from. You know, I like both of them. I want good things for both of them. Yes, and that's why it's painful to us. Uh, that's well, as you say, it's a shame to us. I do think your horny white guy theory holds quite a lot of water, <laughs> I'm afraid. You can see him going through his whole life and justifying it all and backing it up with his intellectualism and his... I mean, it's not not that high-minded. Um, did he sleep even... with the bookstore groupie? No, uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they're pretty... There's no answer to that or whether... Uh, she, there was some infidelity on her part as well, though that feels like a cheap shot that he's taking. Um, uh, yeah, it's, but they're all, he's, he's Jesse. I, I'm very glad to meet these characters, and I, it does feel to me like a unique cinematic journey to follow this couple. It's one I'm not sure I'd want to, uh, I, it's hard to imagine. If I think of some other people, they're probably, wouldn't be interested in getting to know them, but if it was done as well as this, probably. But I, yeah, I mean, it it, it relies to some extent on the novelty, I think. Yes, and I, it sounds like this might be. That's hard. I haven't seen any of Rich, Richard Linklater's other stuff. Mm. It does feel like this is his 
based on his other work, this is his one trick, but he does it very well. That that might be unfair. Well, I mean, the, the other thing that he's particularly known for is Boyhood, which I think it's yes. fair to say does a similar thing. Um, I'd like to see Boyhood uh, based on it, but I'm yeah, I. I mean, he also directed fast, uh, yeah, directed Fast Food Nations and and a Scanner Darkly, that that ghastly rotoscoped thing. And... Oh, I, I can't bear to watch. That's Ethan Hawke as well. Isn't it? I love Philip K. Dick, but um, I I don't. Just the aesthetics of it, I think, would offend me. Um, so uh, I haven't a rotoscoped Ethan Hawke does not have a huge amount of appeal to me. But I, you know, <laughs> I I the fact that you know the actors got very into the characters. Uh, apparently, Julie Delpy um, has been asked to do a fourth one and refused. Um, uh, an interview I read with it, she's basically just absolutely sick of the industry. Um, doesn't really want to be in it anymore and that's mm. you know a woman in an industry particularly a, a woman of a certain age in an industry that values looks over pretty much most other things i can see why that um is a hard i mean she still looks like julie delpy so i, I, I don't know why that would matter but uh, i'm sure she's come across a fair amount of misogyny and sexism it, it, I, I saw a passing comment somebody was saying didn't, didn't she find the nude scene in before midnight my top half nude exploitative and and her response was not really because you you so very rarely gets to see a woman without all the hollywood breast implants and everything else that she, that I, she I, actively wanted to do that I, it crossed my mind. Oh, why have they got a, but I, I think it was, it was a very deliberate, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but it's a lot, if she felt okay with that, that makes me feel, but it was a very unsexy scene, you mm. know, it was, it, and again, it felt realistic because, you know, you are, you know, often casually nude or semi nude in front of your intended other, but not in a sexy way quite often. And so it I was, mean, it, it is not the least sexy sex scene I've ever seen, which was in Enemy at the Gates. Which is about the siege of Stalingrad. There's a sex scene in Enemy of the Game. Tell me no more. I just, I'll, I'll uh, I'll leave that. (laughs) I'll leave that alone. Um, All right. So overall, uh, for me, I think as a trilogy, a masterpiece. And I don't know that any individual part, even the third part, which I think struck most chords with me and felt the most interesting and rich, without the other two, I probably wouldn't have wanted to spend a lot of time with this, this old arguing couple, really. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And I, I think this is a similar reason to why the best series, Hugo, was introduced. Um, because before that, you, you could have a best novel, but there was always the, are we voting for this because it's actually the best novel? Or are we voting for this because the previous 17 books were good and <laughs> the author's getting a bit old and they've never won a Hugo and maybe we ought to get the one for this, even though it's not actually all that great. Uh, uh, right, yes, fair enough, yeah. But that's, there is enough um, echo and interlinking that I, I, I would effectively regard... I, I don't think I would ever choose to watch just one of them. If, if if I sit down and watch Before Sunrise next year, it will be with the intention of watching the other two as well. Yes, I agree. I, I don't think I could get to the end of one and think, oh, I won't bother watching the others. That's That's very true. But it also has a similar feel... Not, I mean, it's very different. It has a similar feel to... Babylon 5 to me in that it just has the space to develop characters and take them in interesting places very Mm. different you know that's a space opera grand with huge uh, points about um, uh, politics and philosophy and all that and this is just a much more human story um, and and very low on tension beyond the emotional I mean you know there are no no gunfights there are no car chases (laughs) 
Well, it's the kind of tension we have in everyday life. We rarely get gunfights and car chases. We're quite often in complicated grown-up stuff that, frankly, we didn't really see coming. And and the film doesn't really do. I mean, film is much more prone to say, oh, well, this relationship is over, but hey, here's here's a hot new person for me to have a relationship (laughs) with. Yeah, here's the next one coming. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. We'll talk about another film and on but when we moved on from this to my to our next film uh i was almost immediately irritated annoyed by the hollywoodisms of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, it, uh, now that may have its it, own reasons i don't always enjoy the stuff that's happening here but it always feels real yes exactly and it, it felt slightly jarring to go back to a, a hollywood Blockbuster, which is what we're doing next. So, so for me, as a trilogy, a masterpiece, I think. And I yes, would I watch agree. them again. Yes. Well, good. I, Thank I'm you. somewhat surprised, but yes. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. I, uh, I I enjoyed watching them. I wasn't sure. It's just something that developed over time, which is very good. But yeah, I'm very glad they exist. Very inter- I can see why they're considered master. They're not the deepest of human thought they're not really what I like is they're not really trying to be it's just two people trying to think their way through life um, and what, what is it the problem it right. that two people don't amount to in this this world <laughs> <laughs> that's a different that's a different episode <laughs> very good well there we are uh, before the before trilogy I, I wouldn't be horrified I would trust them if they did make another one I think I'd trust them to make it interesting enough that I'd be interested in watching it I wouldn't be horrified if they never do another one so yeah, I, th- I think it work. It works at the end of number three here in a way that it would not have worked at the end of number two. Yes, I think so. Yeah, that if it ended there, it would have felt a bit. Well, this feels more honest and true, and does what it wants to do, which is to show two people and a relationship. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm.